We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We will get started in five, four, three. Welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you by Untuck It and Rotoviz Radio. My name is Dan Sanio. You can find me on Twitter at FFDynastyDan. And we're on a stretch. I don't want to jinx it, but I think we can say, as always, here with me tonight, one of my best friends, Mr. Nathan Powell. At NPowellFF on Twitter. Nathan, how are we doing? We're good, Dan. We're, we're good. Shout out to our Twitter accounts. I feel like uh, in comparison to the rest of Fantasy Twitter, we do not pimp our own Twitter accounts nearly as much as everybody else does. <laughs> so make sure you follow us. I try to sneak one in there occasionally to make sure. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to catch up. Once once I broke free of the the actual podcast handle when we were on a race to 3,000 or whatever it was, and it was actually close, and I was a little worried. Now I've I've separated myself a little bit. Now I'm now I'm chasing down Nathan at like 6,000 or whatever you're at. So we've got an interesting one lined up today, but before we get started. I just want to make sure everybody's still aware of that Rotoviz Patreon that's going on as we head towards the fantasy playoffs. You can gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can find myself, you can find Nathan Powell, you can find all sorts of folks 
in there to answer questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcast hosts and from the writing team. So make sure you're ready for the playoffs and become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part and help make this network great and to help it grow and continue to produce high quality industry leading programming. That's patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 10% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Get ready for that playoff push. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools so you get amazing value and support the podcast network. Once you once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. We might get age restricted for that. <laughs> That was <clears throat> that was that was a little sexy, Nathan. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> All right. Well, while everyone calms down, and I mean, if you gotta take a layer off or something, it's a little warm in here. We are gonna hop into our very very first topic, and I think we can officially call this the Matt Harmon special. Good old Smokey John Brown returns from the depths of of what was some personal health issues, and We've had a solid season so far. We've got consistency. We've got Josh Allen, uh, you know, playing okay and getting better. And I feel like we've kind of always maybe known that John Brown was at least a capable wide receiver, if not a pretty good one. And we've always just thought he's been held back by by the health issues because he has. He has been held back by that. And And now it seems like everything's kind of on the up and up. He seems healthy. He seems strong, and and I mean he's playing really, really well. So Nathan, is is there something different we should be doing with John Brown here? Do you think there's a big swing in value, or do you think it's still a kind of a progressive move upwards as we see what this Buffalo offense does? I don't think it's a big swing in value because I still don't think he's a particularly long-term asset. But he's certainly at least a wide receiver, too, for the rest of this season. And uh, he's had 9.5 or more in each game this season, which is kind of a veer from his past where it was like, okay, you'd have a two-point game and then a 22-point game. And it was some inconsistencies, but that hasn't been the case this year. He's been, you know, pretty much startable in every game. He's had three big games of 19-plus PPR points. And, you know, some people thought, oh, Josh Allen stinks, so, you know, not going to be able to rely on Brown week to week. That hasn't been the case. But my, my dynasty outlook on him is that he he's where you should value a reliable veteran who you don't expect to ever gain dynasty value. Because you're never going to say, oh, I'm going to give up a first for John Brown. You know, maybe you should at, at this point because the way he's producing. But that's not really ever going to be his price. So, uh, I mean, I would throw a second at John Brown right now if I'm competing, especially if it's my second and it's looking like a playoff second. Oh, absolutely. And and one of the things that probably sneaks up on you and maybe kind of goes over your head is the fact that he is actually 29. But, you know, we kind of knew that when he was coming into the league, he was a little older as a rookie, but he doesn't have a whole lot of wear and tear on his body. So he's, if we can call it a young 29, he's definitely, if there is one, a young 29. And like Nathan mentioned, the kind of the points floor, he's had at least four catches and 50 yards in every single game this season. So that's that's a pretty great floor for somebody that was going for, I mean, next to free for a little while until some of the steam started to catch up. So you mentioned throwing a second at him. 
if you could or if you needed to, let, let's say you've got an extra late first laying around, would you throw a late first at John Brown in a third maybe? I don't think I can. I, I think that you can get a more uh, steady asset, one that has more long-term value for that first. You know, people – this happens every year, but it's you know it's just another year of that where people are saying, up oh, 2020, the greatest year since sliced bread. And so, I mean, <laughs> like I – I think that like you can use that first to get into like a Cooper cup, <laughs> you know, sure. rather than a John Brown. That makes, that makes all the sense in the world. Okay. Let us move on to, I think we can officially, so we had the Matt Harmon special to start and I think we can call this the Ryan McDowell special. I don't think, I think Ryan has given up on cup. I don't think Ryan <laughs> is actually starting. <laughs> Well, nonetheless, our next topic is, in fact, Randall Cobb, who has back-to-back 100-yard and a touchdown games, one against Minnesota, which is a pretty good get, and then one against Detroit. But he's also kind of had a somewhat steady floor, all things considered. And we haven't really talked about him, and you don't really hear about it much outside of the occasional mention on Twitter. And, I mean, I mean, he's the same age as John Brown, which to me is, seems crazy because Ron, Randall Cobb has like, been in the league for 10 years. <laughs> I know, he's been there forever. But I know we, we know he started a little bit younger and, and all of that. But, yeah, he's, he's the same age as, as John Brown, and, and he's got a little more wear on his tires. He does have that, you know, that strong history with, with Green Bay and, and putting up some big numbers there for a little while. Obviously, health for him has kind of been – what's held him back from having that really consistent, you know, eight to 10 year career where it was probably about a four year career and then some kind of cast off years where he was serviceable, but not great. So is this, is this kind of the, the rebirth for Randall Cobb or is this more of a, you know, a contender throw a middle pick at him and see if, if, you know, he's maybe startable here or there. Yeah, I think Cobb is purely in a throw-in territory as part of a larger deal where you're like, hey, like I could use a wide receiver three, wide receiver four for the rest of the season. Like, let me get Randall Cobb on top just so I have that. And just like John Brown, I think it, I think he has even less long-term value than John Brown does. But also, I I think that he's looked good in this Dallas offense. You said he, he's had a, a bit of a decent floor in recent weeks, and you know they they have Amari Cooper, but. I, I guess that, that's wrong. They have Mark Cooper and Michael Gallup, so they have some weapons in Dallas. But as you mentioned before we started recording, Dak Prescott has been, been taking advantage of those weapons with those three wide receivers and putting up big numbers. Right, and, and you know he's he's a lot to to blame for the big success in Dallas. But when you talk about those two big time outside wide receivers in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, we watched Cole Beasley thrive for a couple of years as a slot receiver, getting those quote unquote free points with, you know, with mediocre wide receivers, you'd have Dez and then nothing Dez and, and um, yeah, I mean, literally nothing across from Dez, but then you have Beasley in the middle working with, you know, James, uh, J- I'm sorry, Jason Witten um, pulling some of the, the tight end strings there. So I feel like Dak can, not necessarily support three high-end wide receivers, but you're going to have the big weeks from Cooper and Gallup. And I think you just kind of have a decent floor with Cobb. So if you have a a team that's maybe most upside 
and and not a real strong floor is what it might be one of those nice pieces that you could add for potentially really cheap just to kind of have a, a decent floor he's coming off the board right now and like I mean, he's like wide receiver 85 or 90. And at that point, if that's the valuation, I have no problem paying. I mean, I'd probably pay top 70 valuation for him rather comfortably just because we do know that he's getting some usage. Yep, for sure. Do you know his contract situation? Is it a, Was it a one-year deal in Dallas, I'm pretty sure? Yes, it is, in fact, a one-year deal. Uh, so he will be a 30-year-old free agent. And who knows what the future holds. So I guess if you if you put a redraft valuation on him and, and can go get him for a you know some a third or just a random third round pick, probably it could get him, I would imagine. Oh, I think um, I think that definitely varies though. I think that if you're a playoff contender, you're not trading Cobb for a third. But if you're a rebuilder, you're taking anything you can get, basically. Absolutely. And chances are he was just grabbed, you know, in the last month and a half off of waivers once people realized he still existed. Okay, time to talk about one of my personal biggest risers in at least the wide receiver landscape, and that is Denver Bronco Cortland Sutton. I think the fear was when Joe Flacco went down that even though Joe Flacco isn't a very good quarterback, the bottom would fall out and we'd be looking towards 2020 in the future for whether it was Drew Locke or a quarterback from the 2020 class. Well, uh, Brandon Allen still isn't good, but it turns out, uh, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, that Corlin Sutton is, in fact, quite good. And I don't want to quite go as far to say that he's quarterback-proof, but considering the year he's had with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen, I'd say he's pretty damn good. We're looking at 17-plus PPR points in at least half of his games, which... I mean, that's that's a good place to start. We'd like to see a little bit more consistency. But again, this is Denver. Uh, it's not like he's playing in New England or Green Bay or or someplace with a high-flying offense that, that has an elite quarterback and can prop up big, big weeks. Most of these points are almost entirely on Cortland Sutton. He's not being thrown open. He's not, you know, at, at the luxury of having a ton of talent around him where defenses have to worry about other pieces. Cortland Sutton is winning, and he is making these DBs look silly. This week, he made Xavier Rhodes look basically washed up, which we've seen a couple of wide receivers do to him. But, I mean, Cortland Sutton is on is on the track looking like an elite-type wide receiver. Yeah. I, I, I've always liked Sutton as a talent, especially as he entered the NFL draft. But I did fear that many were projecting his breakout in 2019 a bit prematurely. I didn't think Flacco was going to be good. He wasn't good, but that didn't really matter for Sutton. He was just, you know, making the points on his own, go get getting balls that he shouldn't be getting. And that's been the case with Flacco and Allen, and I'm sure it'll be the case with Locke as he ends the season most likely. But yeah, Sutton has solidified himself. Like he's the number one. The the Broncos don't need to go out and get a number one in free agency or you know draft a wide receiver earlier than maybe like the third or fourth round as a complimentary option. We're, he isn't the topic here, but I have been very disappointed with the lack of Deshaun Hamilton. I liked what I saw from him last year, and he has been non-existent post Emmanuel Sanders trade. So that's a bit disappointing for a guy who I thought was a decent young player, but. If, if the Broncos wide receiver core has shown anything, they do need a wide receiver too behind Sutton. 
but I don't think that's going to impede his production. I think that he's good. He'll be the wide receiver one for a long time there. I definitely agree. And I think, I think maybe they feel they have their wide receiver too right now, but it's not actually a wide receiver. It's tight end Noah Fant. Uh, he looks oh, like Bra- he's... Brandon Allen loves Noah Fant more than Mitch <laughs> That dude will throw to Noah Fant if he has eight guys on him. That's what we're looking for. Everybody was uh, was thinking it was it for Noah Fant for this year, but uh, he looks like he's going to be propped up. So are, are we talking about Cortland Sutton as a a wide receiver one? Is he a fringe wide receiver one? How high are we moving him? I, I think in the wide receiver like. 12 to 15 range is probably where I'd land on him. And I I think that honestly, that's his floor. I think that he can only go higher as that offense gets better. So I I think that he might end up being, obviously there's not much rising to do when you're in that quarterback to 12 to 15 range. But I think that come June, July, he could rise to like QB six. I mean, wide receiver six, seven. Okay. Well, let's, let's play a little game here. Cortland Sutton or Cooper cup. I, I, I prefer Cup, but I think most people will say Sutton. I would take Sutton there. Cortland Sutton or Kenny Galladay? Sutton. I would also take Sutton there. This is going to be the tough one. Make sure none of your brains fall out of your ear. DJ Moore or Cortland Sutton? Sutton. See, I think I'm maybe taking DJ Moore there just for that two-year that two-year age gap. I think I think they're close enough as Sutton is shown. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, he hasn't shown what we've seen from Sutton. I mean, Moore has not shown what we've seen from Sutton this year, in my opinion. Uh, I think we've seen more consistency from Sutton as far as his ability to, to beat coverage regularly. But I also think that DJ Moore has a better chance at being a true elite player because of, I mean, his his pure skill, but the fact that he's he's a lot more explosive than Cortland Sutton. I'm not not saying that Cortland Sutton isn't explosive, but DJ Moore is is one of those like difference maker type type of guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're both like top 15, top 16 wide receivers, and I, I think that they both have top eight upside. Um, so I, I think that, that that one's close, uh, but I do prefer. I think Sutton's floor is higher. I like it. Okay, before we move on to our next topic, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Untuck It. All right, TradeCast listeners, it is the holiday season, and you know what that means, gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Of course, I'm talking about Untuck It. Unlike most brands, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It shirts will always fall at that just right length, no matter your size. That way you always look casual and sharp. Speaking of, have you ever seen one of those untucked button-down shirts? They almost always look bad. Well, that is except for our folks over at Untuck It, because those are the only style of button-down shirts to actually be worn untucked. And thankfully, with the holidays near, you can get that special guy in your life a nice button-down shirt or one of the other great options from Untuck It. Some of my favorites, the flannels, probably one of the best flannels out there, the outerwear, coats, those types of things. If you're if you're button-down type of guy, 
it's hard to pass up these because you can wear them untucked because that's the way they fit. No more getting frustrated going to the store and trying on 25 shirts and none of them sit right, none of them fit right. Whatever it happens to be, you don't have any of that headache with Untuck It. They always fit exactly how you want them to, whether you're tall, short, slim, athletic, a little bigger, doesn't matter. They are built specifically to fit you perfect. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, the super soft flannels that I mentioned earlier. Those are probably my favorite. Extra outerwear and even more. And with Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, too big, or anything like that ever again because they are fit to you. And that's how it should be. Another great portion of Untuck It is their easy-to-use website with a whole page devoted to you helping you find your own fit. And if you you know, don't trust the site for some odd reason, you can go to one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. That's right. You can head on into one of the Untuck It stores and there are over 80 of them. So chances are there's probably one near you. So whether you're shopping for that perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, thank you to Untuck It for being our wonderful sponsor this weekend during the 2019 NFL season. All right, our next spot belongs to good old Jimmy G and that San Francisco offense. Obviously, we're talking about Debo Samuel to go along with it because, well, he's looked pretty damn good too the last couple of weeks. But let's start with Jimmy G. Uh, I mean, he's he's you know kind of on the up and up. I've been somewhat skeptical. I felt like maybe he's kind of propped up by Shanahan a tiny little bit, and and he makes some plays where he just doesn't look competent. And then the explosive plays keep happening and, and the touchdowns are there and, and it just, it's hard to get away from a Shanahan quarterback. So Nathan, are, are we in a position where we should be selling high on Garoppolo or do you think, obviously the, you know, the ceiling is the ceiling, but do you think this type of production is sustainable? It's not even sustainable for him. They're winning all of their games and he isn't being productive. I, I know that quarterback systems tend to vary, but I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his games this year. So seven out of 10, I believe, have been sub 15 point games. That's not good, especially for a, like that would make sense if he was getting blown out every game. Like he, he was just, you know, his team wasn't playing well, but. They're just showing they don't need Garoppolo to score points to win games. Uh, he did have four touchdowns in each of the Cardinals games and, and two of the last three weeks, and that was that was his two big performances of the year. But I think that when you look at a team winning and their quarterback not being, you know, not producing while that that, that team is winning, that's a bit of a red flag for me because, like, I, I think that you know Garoppolo is propped up by the touchdowns and the environment around him and how good that team is. And that if in the scenario where he doesn't have the weapons or isn't playing that well, then, you know, I, I think that he ends up being a low end QB two and not a low end QB one, which is where probably most people value him right now. 
Yeah, I would guess that's probably accurate. I, I think, I think just as a box score scout from you know from the numbers perspective, having four games under 200 yards passing and only two games over 300, he did have another one where he had 296. But we're talking about the two Arizona games where he was over 300 and the Cincinnati game where he was at 296. So I, I think I'm right there with you where it, it, a he should be looking much more explosive with his team winning the way they're winning. And, you know, the touchdowns are, are fine, but the, that can only go so far. We need to see some yardage output. And obviously we've seen that in the last month or so. Uh, but again, that's against some, that's against Arizona twice. And then uh, the Seattle game where they were just kind of going back and forth. So I, I feel like, I feel like if people are putting him into that mid to, to low end QB one range, I think he's a pretty comfortable sell for me. I, I, I'd honestly, and I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago in my Twitter thread about using him as kind of a, a step to get to a higher end QB. Uh, if you can use him to get to your Dak Prescott's or to get to your Russell Wilson's, I, I feel like that's an easier gap to close than trying to go from, you know, from a Jimmy G in like a super flex league to like a wide receiver one or uh, to an RB one or something like that. I just feel like using a quarterback to get to a, a better quarterback in a super flex or two quarterback league, this is the perfect time to do it because you're maximizing his value and getting into something that's much more sustainable and has a much higher floor. And let's move on to his main weapon that he's been throwing to in recent weeks, and that's Debo Samuel, 40 points in the last two weeks. Now, Samuel is a guy who he did step into a very good situation, which was lessened a little bit with Sanders coming into town. But I I think that for the most part, people who had Debo Samuel weren't saying, "Okay, I'm sticking this guy in my lineup every week entering the season. And so pretty much anything that he produces this year is basically bonus points. And I've been impressed with what I've seen from Samuel. He's a guy who, you know, I I thought he was more of a pure wide receiver, a guy who, you know, gets you first downs, gets you touchdowns. But they've used him a lot in the backfield role of, you know, sweeps and and things of that nature. And so I've been um, impressed with their usage of Debo Samuel. And obviously I talk about this a lot with college that – when a player is, when a wide receiver is getting rushing yards or when a running back is getting receiving yards, that's just proof that the team wants to get the ball in that player's hands as much as possible. And that, you know, goes for the NFL as well. If, if Debo Samuel wasn't producing, they wouldn't be giving him rushing attempts and they wouldn't be giving him as as many targets as as he's getting. So I think that Samuel is a good example of a buy high. I, I don't think that this is where his value will be in March, April. I think that, I mean, I'm, I don't have his ADP in front of me, but I'm guessing he's probably in the wide receiver 30s, and I think it could, he could easily be, uh, you know, in the low 20s-ish, you know, early in the offseason. Well, looking at November ADP, he's a little bit lower than you might expect. Obviously, this isn't up to date in the last two weeks here. The, these drafts have been going on for a few weeks. So ADP has him sitting outside the top 50. Top 50 wide receivers? Yep. So I, I think I think the drafts maybe started before he really started to get hot. Obviously, the last two weeks he's been over 100 yards. Prior to that, he had only eclipsed over 50 yards one time, and that was way back in week two. So we may see December ADP have a little more recency bias and get him up into 
that wide receiver three conversation where I think is probably where he should be living as, as far as evaluation goes. I do see the Swiss Army Knife type player that he is. He's explosive. He's not afraid to go across the middle and make those make those big plays and, and take those shots. And I do see the Anquan Bolden comparisons. I think that's I, I think that's a, an absolute ceiling reference. And we've seen a couple of nice games these last couple of weeks, a really nice target share. And I, I think I think he's a, a great football player. I just I'd be scared to put him really high in the wide receiver rankings just because the the catch radius worries me a little bit. I feel like his his numbers are about where he's catching the ball. Uh, I don't see many real hands catches out and away from him, many circus catches. Uh, I think one guy tweeted me a video from like four years ago in college or something where he caught a one-handed ball, and that was like the one example of it that I saw. So I, I think he's a great wide receiver, or a great football player, and I think he's a really good asset to that offense. I would just be careful getting him too high in the wide receiver stuff just because it is Jimmy G throwing him the ball, and and we're not going to see a whole lot of the the contested stuff consistently working out just because he's he's not elite at going up and getting it. I just think he's good at just about everything, which we should have him higher. Let's move on to another NFC West player, and that is David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, David Johnson has not had the year many expected in the Cliff Kingsbury offense, most of that due to injury. But, Dan, uh, his production in recent weeks, do you think that's injury, decline in play, or a combination of the two? Uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think last year was probably it, and last year wasn't even – a massive year. I, I think 2016, you know, that, that big time usage really, really took a toll on him because we haven't seen even a little bit of that player that we saw, but what's basically 40 years ago now. So yeah, I, I think he's probably done. I don't even know if we can consider him a top 30 running back at this point. Probably he's even lower than that for me. I, I you know, I, I just don't, I don't see it. Um, he lost his job to Kenyon Drake, and we were supposed to see packages, quote unquote, of him. And I, I just don't think it's happening. I, I think Cliff prefers Kenyon. Uh, I f- could potentially even see them going and and hoping to get Kenyon Drake for a little bit of a discount and doing what they can to get out of that contract of David Johnson, just because that thing is is absolutely hideous. So it's. It's definitely an interesting one. I know I know people were really high on him this season and in, in coming into it, but he's a 28-year-old running back that had really, really high usage for one year, and, and he started as an older player, and, and age can get you. And unfortunately, he's had the injuries to, to kind of push that narrative further than it probably should have gone. But I think, I think we're, maybe at, we're maybe at that end point. Yep. 
All right, before we get into some college talk, I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at MyBookie. This is a special offer for Thanksgiving next week only. MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra uh, holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Oh, it's good on mashed potatoes. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Log on to mybookie.ag. Make your first deposit with promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar and jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for next week only, the Lions-Bears Thanksgiving matchup which folks that's looking like our good friends uh jeff driscoll and uh chase Daniel. So, <laughs> so i've i've if you want to watch that football game you pretty much have to bet on it i love it i love it all right let's let's um let's talk about some non-nfl players or player just for just just you know <laughs> just for shits and giggles Okay. Uh, for for some reason, when you said that, I thought you were talking about the guys who we were talking about next. <laughs> but instead, you were actually talking about someone who's not currently an NFL player, and that is Tua Tagovailoa. Let's go with that. Tua Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, how have we not just gone with like he's Tua T? We're just gonna call him Tua Tags. That's it. That's all it is. I'll do that one. Okay. So Tua Tags. He had the he had the bow. Jackson uh, hip injury allegedly, uh, no, and then he had it's not. It, that was that was rebuked. It is actually nothing like the Bo Jackson injury. It's completely different. Yeah, uh, and they said that he'll make a full recovery. So I guess the opening question here, Dan, does this injury cause him to stay at Alabama at all? Um, I think I think that decision will be made when they have to declare. I, I don't. I think it's too early to make to make that call. I still believe he's the quarterback one. Uh, I think most probably would. I think Joe Burrow's ascension might make that decision for him if if they think the injury is going to hold him back and he wouldn't potentially be that top pick. But also Justin Herbert might make a a call for that QB two. So. If Tua were to declare, we could potentially see him slide to the middle or back half of the first round if there are lingering injury concerns. And I can't imagine that's something he wants to do. But again, it's it's too early to to make that call. It is a scary injury. It was potentially career threatening, but it sounds like you mentioned, it sounds like he's gonna get back to hopefully 100%. Obviously, we we would not want to see any complications along the way. But yeah, I mean, if you're in a Debbie league and folks are panicking about this, I would I would go start sending some some real offers to try to get your hands on them because whether it's 2020 or 2021, two is gonna be a high end asset and he's he's gonna be a legitimate quarterback. Yeah, I've made some some buy low offers in, in a few leagues as well. But for me, I, I think that obviously either way, 2020 is a redshirt year, whether it's sitting on Alabama's bench or sitting on the, the, you know, the training table of an NFL team. 
And me personally, I think it makes more sense to be doing that for an NFL team. You got the guaranteed money going. Yes, I know, insert Alabama pays their player joke here. Uh, but for me, I, I, this injury is a huge buy-low opportunity. But I, I haven't seen him moved personally yet since the injury. So it, you kind of have to just test the waters to see how much the Tua owners are panicking. But like, and obviously Joe Burrow is not widely owned in Debbie leagues, but if I could trade Joe Burrow for Tua right now, I'd take that risk. Cause I think Joe Burrow has a higher risk of not being a good NFL quarterback than Tua has at just not being back to full health. Would you trade Justin Herbert for Tua? Yes, barely. I think that's really close now. Okay. So if we're considering this as like a, a super flex league, where where is that line in the sand? Where you know what's what's too high and what's too low as far as like a Debbie draft were to be considered? Are we still taking him in that top third, maybe maybe top half, or do you think he's going to be behind the elite backs and the elite wide receivers? The you know the assumed elite backs and wide receivers. Where, where do you think we got him now and as far as Superflex and 2QB goes? I, From a draft perspective, I think it completely depends on where he's taken the NFL draft. If he's taken top 10 in the NFL draft, he's still a top 5 pick. If he falls to the mid-late first, I think he falls to like the 107 to 109 range. Okay, so once we get once we get behind like the big-time names, then we can slot into a... Do you think, you know, let's say Joe Burrow and or Justin Herbert go like one, two, or in the top three or four picks, both of them, mm-hmm. does that put them ahead of Tua, or are we still going to be taking Tua even if he does slide? It depends on how far the difference is, but like okay. it's going to take like probably like a 10-pick difference for me to take Joe Burrow over Tua. Okay. I, I feel like that's that's probably fair. And again, this is just some speculative talk. We're, we're not, you know trying to recommend a Debbie draft that doesn't going to happen for quite some time. It's, it's just trying to, you know, get ahead of the curve a little bit. And, and if you can go by, it is a good time to buy. Hopefully we get positive news all along the way. We don't have to worry about this injury holding him back or potentially hindering his career in any way. So from one future NFL player to two alleged NFL players, <laughs> uh, we had two guys that were once Debbie favorites, once sleeper favorites in their rookie classes, Oh, Scarborough had 55 uh, rushing yards and a touchdown. And Jonathan Williams had 115 rushing yards and 31 receiving yards. And Marlon Mack has an injury that looks like it will be taking him out for some time. Does that make Williams the favorite of these two pretty easily? Or are you got that Alabama uh, loving going on with Bo Scarborough? No, never, never was, never will be. Not with Bo. I didn't even know he was on a roster until I saw that stat line, to be completely honest with you. That's a that's a one-hit wonder as far as I'm concerned. Even if he does stick for a couple of games, there isn't a, a future there unless they're going to convert him to fullback. I do think Jonathan Williams, because we have seen it before, could potentially do something with this shot. Now, is it a long-term thing? No. And, I mean, they've got other guys there, obviously Marlon Mack. And even Naheem Hines is is a capable receiver. Jordan Wilkins is probably along the same lines as, you know, a, a Jonathan Williams. But there was some legitimate upside with Jonathan Williams just a couple of short years ago. 
and then it all kind of derailed and we never really got to see what it was and then this random <laughs> week 11 showing on the Indianapolis Colts all of a sudden brings this sign of life back so I mean if I had to pick one I'd take Jonathan Williams but I don't think either one of these guys is any sort of long-term fix. No, but I do think that obviously if either are on the waiver wire, they're easy pickups right now. You know, obviously no one really has any fob money left at this point. Uh, but I, I would prefer Williams as well be, because of the Marlon Mack injury. Uh, uh, you know, the Detroit Lions running back, running back backfield is very wide open as well. But I, I do think that the Colts offense is more productive for a running back and you know, the, the opportunity is there with Mac injured. Definitely. All right. Let's wrap up with, well, what was probably at least up in the range of dynasty rookie draft one Oh ones, uh, probably right behind a running back or two, but Nikhil Harry makes his first official NFL appearance and Nathan, I think he even had one of those little receptions in there. Are we three receptions, sir? Three. Right. It's, it's impressive. It's impressive. He's lived on that. Averaging uh... six yards per catch. <laughs> well, I, I Tom Brady looked like he was mostly washed this week, um, which I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say he's done, but. Uh, okay, Nikhil Harry. So, yes, he is back. He caught three of his four targets for next to nothing, but he is out there. He's seemingly healthy. And in what could be a really, really good fit, depending on the future of the New England Patriot quarterback uh, situation, whether it's Tom Brady for another 52 years because he's clearly a cyborg, or maybe they turn it over to Jarrett Stidham at some point. Maybe the maybe the Patriots luck into one of those really good quarterbacks next year or the year after. Uh, anything can legitimately happen. So I think it's best to probably focus on just Nikhil Harry. So are we still propping him up based on his draft stock for one and his college profile for another? Or do we think we kind of have to look at the Patriots as a whole and maybe slow down any hype train that may be going for Nikhil Harry currently. No, I'm all aboard the Nikhil Harry love train. Uh, I, <laughs> I, th I think that if he's still viable for you, I would go out and do it. I'd give up pretty much any first that's outside of the top four right now for him. And pretty much would give almost any 2019 rookie for him still. But yeah, I, I, I think he's very talented. I think he's, you know, the best wide receiver in this class. And I think that it's going to take some time to learn the Belichick offense and get some rapport with Brady. And by the time they get that rapport, Brady's going to be gone. <laughs> but I, I think that in a year or two, Nikhil Harry is going to be the wide receiver one in New England and pr producing top 15 numbers, a la what we're seeing from Corwin Sutton right now. Sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. He he is only 21. He won't turn 22 for another month here. So he's still, I mean, he, he's still learning the game. He's still growing as a player. He's still, um, you know, on his way up. Do we feel like he's in that low end wide receiver two range as far as valuation? Or are, are you maybe a little bit lower than that? 
I mean, I haven't sat down and done rankings in whoever knows how long, but I, I'd assume I'd probably rank him like in that like 22 to 25 range. Yeah, that that seems pretty much ballpark, uh, whether it's ADP or, or other folks ranking. Okay, let's let's try a little a little bit of a little bit of name game here. I, I'm gonna say Harry every single time, but okay. <laughs> DK Metcalf or Nikhil Harry? Oh wow, I don't know. <laughs> I Harry, with the hard I gotta, one. I gotta go Harry still. See, I think I go Metcalf there. Uh, I'll do another brain buster for you. Nikhil Harry or DJ Chark? I, I th- this is, doesn't really fit the question, but recently I traded DJ Chark on a two-year deal for Harry on a four-year deal, uh, so I'll say Harry. Well, yeah, I mean the four-year that that kind of trumps that on that one. <laughs> but I'll okay. say I'll say Harry regardless of contract too. But that it's very very close. I think both of those. Uh, I would take Metcalf. I think Chark and Harry are a push. Uh, and then this one I think is somewhat interesting just because of of he's kind of you know slow rolled his the start to his career too but christian kirk or nikhil harry oh he had a big game against uh tampa well just like everybody else in america <laughs> uh but nikhil harry okay i think that one's also a push i think that group of four wide receivers kind of makes up your 18 to 22 18 to 21 rank i feel like that's probably where all of those guys should probably live and we could see all of them move up we could see all of them hold strong i think we could potentially see a couple of them slide down so the future of wide receiver is promising especially when you consider the 10 to 15 that are coming in this year that need to find homes hopefully not in crowded offenses also, everyone's been saying all year how great second-round picks are in 2020, which they very well could be, but I can't wait until we all find warts. That, okay, I only <laughs> like two wide receivers and like four running backs in this class. Everyone else stinks. Nathan's looking forward to finding warts. So <laughs> this is a good way to end a wonderful edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. Again, thank you to Untuck It and to my bookie. Make sure you head out and you sub to us on patreon rotaviz patreon we would greatly appreciate that and hopefully your monday nights and tuesday mornings all start out wonderfully and then wednesday when this enters your ear holes you're ready for for another week and, and you're ready for that next step which we're almost to the playoff folks All right, for Nathan and myself, we will see you all next week. Kadoosh! Nathan, stop breathing into the microphone. (laughs) All I hear is... <laughs> Take that back. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.